0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow forgotten American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for what feels like a Monday, but really it is Friday, August 28th, our first and only day of this week. It is great to be back with you after a full week or almost a full week of vacation. You see, now I need a vacation from the vacation. Any of you who have attempted to go on a four-day trip with uh, four little kids knows that it is pretty tiring. Um, Thank God it it was terrific. I really enjoyed it. Um, But, you know, you, you need to rest up from being with those kids so intensely for four days, just like we need a convention after the Republican convention, because after all, where is the convention for independent minded conservatives? The president said last night our country wasn't built by cancel culture, speech codes, and soul-crushing conformity. We are not a nation of timid spirits. We are a nation of fierce, proud, and independent American patriots. And that is so right, um, so on target. But he needs a White House, a cadre of advisors, and a party, and a movement that abides by those principles and represents those fiercely independent American patriots. And that's what we are here for Um, I know for those of you who really missed the show this week while I was away, you you didn't miss the fact that, oh, there's just another talk show host off the air this week that wasn't like, hey, red team, good, Republicans, good. I I could do that. I mean, I could lie to you. Oh, who's going to win? Who's going to win this election? Oh, great theatrics at the RNC. And I get it. A lot of you have messaged me that, you felt it was better than you thought it would be. But I was away for a full week and I turn on the thing and I, and I see Ivanka Trump. I see Jerome Smith. I see Alice Johnson, the cocaine trafficker that never apologized, that is now advocating to release all of the drug traffickers that are responsible for all of the murders and mayhem we're seeing now as we talk about every day. And I'm thinking, where is the contrast? So because I wasn't here and I want to give you the most cutting edge analysis, we're going to have a special guest on today that shares many of my views on this issue. And look, you know, maybe next week we could have more of an optimistic view on, but he is going to be a little bit tough on pushing the president to where he needs to be as Tucker Carlson was a couple of months ago and I think still is in a pretty good place, we need to demand better, not never Trumpers, but better Trumpers, to demand that his good rhetoric, for the most part, comport with the reality of his policies. I don't know who's going to win this election. I hope he wins it. But what I do know is that the second term for Republican presidents typically gets worse, unless we change the game. So while I was away on vacation, it it was a very surreal experience for me, just at a political level, that should make it very clear to you why we have so much work ahead of us to fight and organize at a local level and not just put all of our eggs in this winner-take-all basket of a national presidential election, expecting that somehow if Trump gets reelected, somehow all this goes away, because frankly, it is here while we have Trump as president. So I I went to Southwest Pennsylvania, God's country, terrific people, certainly a lot better than where I live, where I live outside of Baltimore, kind of the uh, paradigm blue city culture southwest pennsylvania is really i mean you see all the trump flags and everything and great people but what struck me was you know i had to find a place to go where my kids wouldn't have to sit and wear face diapers where we could actually do something but everything is closed so we we rented a terrific property a vrbo great um almost like a park-like property of 70 acres, which had a private pool and hiking trails. And I figured if all else fails, we could at least just stay there and be free, you know, because there's nowhere else to go. And it was very sad. So we went to Ohio Pile, which was close by. And the kids are too young for whitewater rafting, but, you know, just kind of hiked around and everything. And I wanted to get them ice cream. And I look, every single quaint-looking store there, and and mind you, this is like, this is the paradigm of Red America. No mask, no entry. I mean, this is in the reddest counties. Now, I understand it's within a state park and that's controlled by Governor Wolf, who's an animal. I get it. But why is it that you go into the you know, blue cities and red states and they're as blue as anything. Yeah. You can go to rural counties, but if the state government is controlled by the left, you're done. I mean, thank God you had, you know, these tiny general stores in these really tiny towns. Yeah. So you could walk in without a mask. But this is continuing long-term, and we're not going to get into that today. There's a lot of news. Obviously, the, the virus is waning. The tyranny is intensifying. CDC can, is continuing to come to our point of view that this whole thing is a case-themic of asymptomatic. It's not even clear they spread. They shouldn't be tested. CDC is coming to our position. But the tyranny is not ending. The tyranny is not ending. You You hear this diffidence, this equivocation at the convention on the one hand we need to get the economy moving biden is going to shut down our economy on the other hand oh if not for my lockdown we would have had more deaths well which one is it mr president it's almost like at every turn there is this schizophrenic uh, movement from the president and i'm not i'm not really sure what it is other than reflecting multiple speechwriters i mean it's been noted i think whether you love this speech or not and i know a lot of you probably love this speech it certainly was very disjointed just from a prose vantage point. And that's kind of how Trump is. And that's fine. We've all gotten used to that. And I think there's an endearing quality to it. But I think it also, to a certain extent, reflects different priorities. It's like, hey, okay, Jared, you get your thing. Jerome Smith, you get your thing. Stephen Miller, you get yours. Scott Atlas gets the, you know, better lines on, on uh, the virus. And then... uh you know, Debbie Burks and these other people get their garbage thrown in there. Well, I mean, <laughs> speak with one voice. Speak with one voice. But I was struck at how even in Red America, I couldn't get away from the tyranny. I couldn't find an outdoor, even an outdoor theme park to take my kids to. How much longer is this going to go on? And then obviously, when I got the news, you know, because I barely watch the news because uh, that's the whole point of the vacation. But obviously what went on with in Kenosha with another sex offender, violent criminal reaching for a knife, shot by police. and there's this license to riot and maim and at the Republican convention you had all these people, these speakers like talk about the parents of what's his name a Blake as if he's a victim. Well, they didn't quite do the George Floyd with him, which, by the way, now, obviously, if you guys have seen the news I missed this week, it turns out he clearly died from fentanyl. I knew that was coming. Riot first, ask questions later. And where do we turn? Where do you and I turn? As the tyranny intensifies, the anarchy intensifies, too. And and what's funny is they're saying, look, we have to shut down all constitutional rights because maybe you're asymptomatic. And maybe you're doing something, you're, you're spreading the virus. So for public health concerns, we get to take away your rights. Well, why is there no effort to say that for public health concerns, public safety concerns, you cannot protest anymore? Because those are not asymptomatic. Those are very symptomatic. Because they're all full of violence. This is the funny thing. It's like, on the one hand, government is so powerful that in a tiny little shop in Ohio pile, I can't get an ice cream for my kids without a face diaper on. And this is going on indefinitely as the virus wanes without any benchmarks, without any time limits. But on the other hand, these people, as long as they have the right color skin for the right cause that's really wrong, they can go and murder and, 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 go on and on for days before it stops and before there's any police control as if this is a third world country. But this is where we are. We need people and we're going to have a brave person on that's a young guy that's willing to speak out against this reverse Jim Crow. But folks, we first have to deal with the censorship. Because again, I mean, that that is a huge issue and I'm glad the president talked about it last night. Social media sites. I want you to know what you can do about fighting back against the censorship while supporting this show and our sponsors. Remember, Twitter and Facebook were supposed to be open platforms. Instead, they serve as North Korean censors. So instead of letting social media sites revoke your right to free speech, how about revoking their right to your data? Now you could just deactivate all your social media platforms. But again, and I'm all for finding alternative uh, platforms like Parler. You can find me there, DEH0414, by the way. But don't cede the ground to them. Just use ExpressVPN. Ever wonder how free to access sites like Facebook make all their money? Well, they track your searches, your video history things you buy, everything you click on, and then they sell that data to vendors. When you use ExpressVPN, you basically become anonymous. And much of your online presence is hidden behind your IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and to sell. ExpressVPN is easy to set up. I've already set it up on my computers. I have to set it up on my phones. You have to make sure you do it on each uh, device that you have. It encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and bad guys too. So in addition to shielding you from the spying of social media and denying them, censoring them, which we need to do, they actually protect you from hackers. It's finally time to say no to censorship. Take back your online privacy at expressvpm.com forward slash conservative. By visiting my special link, this audience will get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service Totally free. Again, that's expressvpn.com forward slash conservative expressvpn.com forward slash conservative to protect your identity and fight back against social media censorship. Now, folks, before I bring on our guest today to analyze what's been going on at the RNC Trump speech, particularly in the through the the prism of criminal justice, deform, crime, anarchy. And all these people in the Trump administration getting Trump himself to send mixed messages on this. I just want to talk about Rand Paul last night. Many of you have seen the video of him leaving the convention. How a major elected official, even in a major city, could come within an inch of being beaten down by a mob. That, that That's the third world country we've become. Now, to me... The image of Rand Paul being forced, and I know I'm sure he didn't want to do this, him and his wife being forced to wear a mask outdoors while being attacked by a mob, that is America in 2020. And mind you, he already had the virus, and everyone knows it, but somehow he still has to wear it. Is that the country we want to be? Because what I'm telling you is, that is the country we are now under Trump's first term. Okay, so we need a blueprint For how that is going to change. That is my key here. It's not about, oh, you don't want him to win. Of course I want him to win. But I want him to win why? So we have the opportunity to influence him. But if you don't use that opportunity, then what's the point? What is the point? So in that vein, I wanted to bring back to the program a really special guest, a friend of mine um, that is almost a spirit animal. For those of you who follow him on Twitter, Pedro Gonzalez, he's an assistant editor at American Greatness, one of the few publications really trying to think past that skin-deep GOP conservative movement analysis to really try to ask, where are we? Where are we headed? Where are the results? You look at what's going on and it's almost like there's this football game and you reach the halftime show. Let's say this is where we are between the first term and second term of the president, the halftime show. And the Republicans put on a really good halftime show that I think is much better than the Democrat show. But at the end of the day, the other side is winning by three touchdowns. When you look at the actual scoreboard, the actual results on the Corona fascism, But then, on the other hand, it's full anarchy for certain groups of people. So you got the anarchy, you got the tyranny, you got the endless debt, dependency on immigration. You know, the president touted all the walls finally being built, but you know, the numbers are going back up. Interior enforcement has collapsed, even worse than under Obama. Then we have the courts. Oh, Gorsuch. Now, I know a lot of you guys were probably thinking, oh my gosh, look, I know he had to throw away that line. Yeah, my two Supreme Court justices, they have redefined gender in America. So here are the results. This is where we are. What we are doing is clearly not working. We could put on a nice show. But what is the truth of the matter of where we are headed? So with us today is, is Pedro and he is going to give us the breakdown that I kind of missed, especially the first three days of the convention. Now, I want to say from, this, from the get-go, if you haven't seen it yet, look at Pedro's uh, analysis at Newsweek. It's titled, When the Center Cannot Hold. He has an opinion piece that Newsweek, normally writes for American greatness. Pedro, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to be on, Daniel.
0: All righty. So let's start off with the summation of your Newsweek column. Again, guys, you could easily get this online. Um, There's a lot of good content there, by the way. Newsweek has really revamped their opinion section. Um, Things fall apart, wrote WB Yates, when the center cannot hold. And you go on to write, when Republican politicians offer nothing but empty and incoherent rhetoric, while Democrats seem to cheer on the menace, Americans have no leader to appeal to but the president himself and yet Trump too appears reduced to mere rhetoric if real leaders do not emerge soon we will find ourselves living Yates' line when the best all when, when the best all lack conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity now a lot of people i think are jazzed up by the president's speech last night why are you throwing cold water on that
1: because someone has to Now, uh because i think that what you saw at the rnc was the identity crisis of the america first movement on the one hand you have trump who's this is chronologically kind of uh, out of order but at the end you have trump whose speech is i think really illustrative of this the first half of his speech is in my opinion um, kind of, bo- it's very boilerplate, actually, uh, a lot of pandering, a lot of like GOP throwaway lines in the second half, especially when he moves into the talk about the frontier um, and how Americans are pioneers. That part was, that seems like old Trump, the Trump that people have come to know and love, the, the one who uh, will, you know, tell you about how great America is from the heart by telling you a story. And I think that that speech itself was illustrative of the entire convention where, um, again, you you have this kind of uh, wrestling match between what I think what people uh, identify with America first and with what they still think and hope America first is, and what I think uh, elements within the America first camp are trying to turn that movement into, and I, uh, I think we can. We'll get into this, but for example, like Nikki Haley, Dan Crenshaw, Tim Scott, these are not people that I think of as real representatives of, of the America First agenda, and yet they were portrayed as, you know, spokespeople for it uh, at the convention.
0: So, so this is what really shocked me. Now, the first three nights I was away on vacation, but obviously, I knew Tim Scott was speaking. Talks about how Joe Biden. Uh, supported the 1994 crime bill as if that was a bad thing and locked up uh, thousands of, of black Americans. Then you had... So I didn't see that, but then I turned on last night. I literally came in. I was very tired. I was falling asleep. And I see Jerome Smith... You know, one of the big jailbreakers under Brook uh, Brook Rollins and Jared Kushner's shop, they're pushing jailbreak and he's like in the wake of the murder of Arbery and George Floyd and, you know, another guy, the there's a movement of national racial consciousness. I have seen Trump's true conscience. I'm like, "What what what planet do you live on?" And then you see uh, Ivanka obviously talking about this touting the criminal justice reform. And, and again, it's like this schizophrenic messaging. And on the one hand, it does seem like they did indulge the Wisconsin thing a little bit and and a little better than with Floyd talk about the anarchy and its dangers. But then on the other hand, they cheered on the, some of the policies and the rhetorical premises undergirding their movement. In other words, their movement is based on an assumption that we lock up too many people, particularly blacks, somehow are too tough on crime. And that needs to be rectified. And the more they do that, the more we have a disparity in our system where it's the other way around, where, in fact, um, you know, most black criminals are not locked up. Uh, black victims of crime get killed more than anyone else, but then you have whites that get killed, and there's never any talk about that. We had the Frederick County Sheriff on our show last week John, uh, to talk about John Weed and his death at the hands of a black teen. The black teen is getting not a day in jail. Um, I thought one of the most powerful moments of the convention was obviously Ann Doran, David Doran's wife. Um, so again, that was, wow, that was much needed, But then what was lost on them, in my view, and I wanted to get your take on this, is that this guy Cannon, who was the lead suspect in that case, he benefited from all the programs that these very people, like they had Alice Johnson there talking about, oh, you know, how I was put in jail and Trump let me out and this is great. But these are the very people that are released by these policies it almost seems like it's like two animals at the same time.
1: Yes. No, it's exactly, exactly right. There was, and there's a lot of this. Like, um, I mean, the second day of the RNC opened with a prayer for Jacob uh, Blake. The sex offender with an active warrant who wrestled with police got shot. And then and, and it looks, I think there was an article published yesterday that confirmed that the reason the police were there was because Jacob Blake's, uh, Blake had, I think, broken into his ex-girlfriend's house. And uh, she had called the cops. And that is, I think, what resulted in the altercation. Yep, uh, there's I, a lot I, and, of, and by there's the way, lo- I
0: just wanna freeze frame there. I don't mean to interrupt you a bit, but I think that is a very important point you just mentioned we've been talking about since the George Floyd situation. Police don't randomly kick in doors. 95% of the time, they get called down by a victim or witness to the crime. Now, if they are dealing with a black suspect, by definition, usually they're being called down by a black victim of crime or a black witness. That is why they're being called down. So these people that are like, oh man, it's it's hurting the black community too much. It, the Obviously, they're going to be involved with black suspects more because that's where the crime is being committed and frankly, they're being called down by black victims.
1: Right. Yeah, that's exactly right and the anti-crime zeitgeist ironically hurts black communities the most because these are the people that live, uh, it, bl- these are the communities that they're trying to help, these are the communities where there are, you know, uh, uh, the the demographic they're trying to help and when they release felons and they go back into these communities, you end up hurting the people that you claim to be wanting to help but yeah so the second day of the rnc opened with a prayer for jacob flake i think george uh jaron smith declared george floyd was a murderer so he's a coroner now and then you had don jr who i think also said that uh what happened to george floyd was a disgrace and, and then on the other hand you have a police chief i, I don't remember his exact title um, but he, he was a representative of the, of the law enforcement community Speaking at the RNC, talking about how Trump is a law and order candidate, and then before him you have Ivanka talking about how the 1984 crime bill was a disaster. So, like you said, it's very schizophrenic, and the message does not really come through that uh, that the rhetoric, that the tough on crime, law and order rhetoric, is going to align with actual policy. And so far, what we've seen is that no, uh, that it's not going to align with the policy because you know the first the, the it seems like a, a huge part of the convention was defending and building on the legacy of the First Step Act, which is not a tough on crime policy. That That's a jailbreak bill. And and they're telling you, I think I heard like three or four times different people say, there's more coming. You know, this is just the, this is the first step. So and, and to give you an idea of, of how disastrous this stuff is, now an, anal- an analysis published yesterday by the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund found that following the anti-police uh, protests that happened this year, in New York, arrests fell by 55% as a result of those protests and homicides shot up 45%. So I think there's a, a real, uh, there's real skin in the game to, to get this stuff right. But like, like you said, the administration doesn't really seem to have a clear direction. It's like they're trying to win over both the law and order constituents and <laughs> the, people want, uh, the people that want more felons to get out of prison. And Which yes, really yes, aren't yes, too
0: many people. I mean, it's it's the rioters.
1: Right. right. Yes, that's exactly right. Which so. I,
0: I just don't understand that. And, and could you explain what this uh, next step might be? Because one of the most odious aspects of what is going on with the criminal justice system, I think that we're seeing, is at the front end with this bail break. Um, you have the jail break. You got the bail break where basically – you have the worst of the worst just committing crimes. Um, we don't put enough money into our court system, among many other problems, so it takes forever to adjudicate it. And pending that, they're let go. Now, for the same reason you're going to beat or rape or murder someone to begin with and not fear reprisal, you'll do it again. I mean, that's, that's how these people are. So um, what happened was over the weekend, I'm not sure if you saw it, uh, about a week ago, Frank Maine, a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter for the Chicago Sun Times, found that there are over a thousand robbers, murderers, and gun felons in Cook County that were released this year. This year, um, on electric electronic monitoring devices pending their trial. So, murderers and gun felons. And, you know, local police believe that they are largely responsible for this uptick in murder, which, again, is mainly going to harm blacks. And and again, we, we we see these Republicans one after another talking about, oh, we you know, Joe Biden locked up too many blacks. I mean, rather than assailing his current position and accentuating its radicalism by exposing how even he believed insanity back then, they're saying, oh, you're harming blacks with this. What planet do you live on? I think you would agree with me that, number one, you're harming blacks the other way because do you stand for victims of crime or criminals? And number two, what is this obsession of focusing not on the whole of the people, which I thought was the core of the MAGA movement, but like individual groups? Like, here's what I understand. For people like you and me, you know, we're all about you do the crime, you do the time. You know, you have a strong deterrent. It, it, it shouldn't matter who you know who is the victim, who is the perpetrator, what race they were. But if you're going to obsess about it, then here's the thing: like, you know, was there any mention? I, I did not listen to three nights of the convention, so I don't want to say anything. But could you you inform our audience here? Was there any mention of John Weed of the a little boy killed in North Carolina? We had so many of these cases recently. Um, but the races, I guess, didn't fit into their narrative.
1: No, there wasn't, and I'm I'm almost certain that I, I kind of want to go back and this would take a lot of time and go through all the victims who were mentioned, and and, um, and this is uh, not not to I guess score any like low points, but I'm almost certain that all the victims who were mentioned were either black or Hispanic, which to me tells me that the administration is terrified to even acknowledge. Uh, people like Cannon Hinnant, the little white five-year-old who was shot in the face point-blank by their black neighbor, or Jessica Doty Wick, a white woman with a Hispanic boyfriend who was part of a group that shouted at a Black Lives Matter group, All Lives Matter. And then when when her and her, and her friends were walking away, someone from the Black Lives Matter group opened fire and killed her. And so she leaves behind a boyfriend and a um, a three-year-old son. And then you have John Marvin Weed, who was beaten to death by two black teenagers who uh, their names were never even released because they're underage. They beat him to death over a dollar. And then compare that incident where you have a 59-year-old white man beaten to death over a dollar in the middle of a fairground in Maryland. And the teens get probation, uh, probation, anger management, assault charges. I don't even think they had to plead down for murder. I think it was like manslaughter. And, and, and their names are protected. And then you have Kyle Rittenhouse, who gets into a shootout with, um, with a bunch of people in Kenosha, uh, like BLM and Antifa people who were all like one was a convicted pedophile. The other one was a convicted uh, domestic abuser with a record that included like false imprisonment and a bunch of other felonies. And the other one also had a felony for, for a, I think, a gun uh, violation. And and they attack him. He gets them chewed out with them. And now he's getting first degree. Mur- he's charged with first degree intentional murder. And he's he's 17. So you have this clear double standard of yes. you know who who gets in trouble, who doesn't get in trouble. And none and all of these things would have resonated so profoundly, not just with white Americans who are watching the RNC, but with people like me. Because if Trump would have said what happened to Cannon Hinnett is unacceptable, what happened, Jessica Doty Whitaker was killed after saying all lives matter. That is unacceptable. That that is that is a powerful message. But the administration is so terrified of appearing racist that they didn't they didn't mention any of these people. I feel it. It actually, I think it's really tragic that people like John Marvin Weed that his family um, has to basically just kind of suffer in silence and accept that everyone is just too scared to say what happened.
0: And what scares me is this, that you and I, we have no need to talk about race, but the problem is the other side is making it a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what I mean by, by, by that is this, the more this goes on and the more, like, let's say we just want law and order. We just want violent criminals to be deterred and locked up. It doesn't matter who they are. Um that's what it is. The the bottom line is actually on net it will save more black lives than any anything else. That's just a proven proven fact. But again, I mean that's the way a society should function. But the problem is if the other side is going to codify policies under the premise that no, 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 we're racist. We're too tough on black criminals. It's, we're just beating them up. We're killing them for no reason. So what that does is it's fomenting this violent undercurrent and then it becomes racial. And then there's tons of black on white attacks. I see it in my own area. We had a case where a bunch of little kids here in Baltimore, outside of Baltimore is in the County uh, we're just riding their bikes it must have been 10 years old and a group of black teens demands they give over their bike bikes and they say otherwise you're racist now look the stealing bikes thing has been going on forever since i was a kid here um but they never mentioned that you know it was just they wanted the bike uh there was there wasn't this racial undercurrent now there is i mean so if you don't push back against that and combat it that's only going to continue and get worse. Yet I feel like all these people are are pouring fuel in the fire. And in fact, isn't it true, Pedro, that, you know, the very forces that we thought maybe Trump will weed out, maybe towards a second term, we'll chart a better course. And I was hoping that. But it, it sure seems like those folks were promoted at the convention.
1: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, that. that... I, th- this is the really uh, unpopular take, but I think it's correct. And I've talked to people in the administration and they've, unfortunately, they also think I'm I'm right about this, but it seemed like the whole point of the RNC, at least from the pr- perspective of criminal justice was to sort of prepare Trump voters for a second term in which we continue down this road, down the road of prison and police reform. And, it seemed like a huge part of it was rehabilitating the image of people like Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, who most Trump voters, I think, regard as the liberal forces within the White House. And yet they, uh, I mean, Kushner wasn't there, but the the entire, RNC, a lot of the RNC focused on his policies, the First Step Act, for example, which is, he was a huge part of, another one was Brooke Rollins. Jaron Smith was basically speaking for Kushner Um, And so, uh, again, I think that a big point of the RNC was this, sort of rehabilitating the image of people that uh, most Trump voters otherwise don't like and and kind of uh, framing criminal justice reform as actually conservative and actually as very America first. And what that tells me is that the, it's funny because I think uh, Gorka or Bannon left, well, they all left the White House at the same time, but one of them when they left, was that uh, anti-Maga forces are ascendant within the White House? I think that was in 2018. And yes, that was banned I mean, Right, and he was right. But it seems like a lot of people have forgotten that, and that's that's a huge issue because there's been virtually no pushback. Like uh, we've totally embraced this this narrative that the administration is pushing out through Ivanka, through Smith, through Rollins, through um, through Krishna. The, the 1994 crime bill was bad. It wasn't bad. It actually made black community safer. And there were a lot of black community leaders who supported it. And and we've totally embraced it as like, oh, yeah, the bill, uh, you know, 1994 crime bill bad, prison reform good. No, it, that's that's. So, yeah, I think, unfortunately, because we we kind of let control of the narrative and just got so in the trenches with fighting the media and fighting the left and fighting liberals that we lost sight of the fact that there, there are people like that in the White House.
0: P- pushing that same premise, That that I love the way you express that. We're losing sight of it. We're so busy. Even my, my father earlier today was like, yeah, I love Trump's speech. And like, yeah, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I, I get what are we going to do? But the idea is get demand better. Um, tr- Trump, Trump said last night, at no time before our voters faced a clear choice between the two parties. Now, in some ways, it's laughable. In some ways, it's true because the more Republicans seed ground and don't hold the left accountable and beat them over the head in dramatic legislative and budgetary. Um, leverage points that that harness national attention on a specific issue, defunding these cities and really going after them, the more they're able to kind of get away with it on the cheap, the more that drags Republicans further to the left. But yeah, there's still always a difference. Well, they want to completely abolish law enforcement. Well, no one ever said that before. So yeah, you'll still have a difference. And, and look, they might still be able to win on that. I'm not saying they can't win. I'm saying they would have a better chance of winning if they – had our message, but they could still win either way because the left is so unhinged. But then what? This is the biggest question I'm asking people. Oh, shut up. We need to just win. okay? but, you know, it's only two months away, so I could shut up for two months. But we you know, this has been four years. One of the things I wanted to get your comment on, I I was wondering how Trump was going to play this out. And I want to see how you feel he finessed this. So I found it, you know, his 2016 message was very powerful because Obama was president. He was a challenger. And, you know, he's talking about all these different trends going on and how we need to reverse them. Here we are with the worst anarchy and tyranny of our lifetime mixed together. I Before you came on the show, I was talking about our vacation, how even in Red America to get my kid an ice cream in a quaint store, it would say no mask, no entry. I mean, Very, very tough. I mean, 100% deterrent against us. And yet at the same time, you have riots, beatings, looting, stuff going on that Richard Daly, that George H.W. Bush wouldn't have let go on for a day has been going on and it all gets, gets back to Kushner and Rollins that original day in late May where they convinced him to not stuff this in the hole, and once it became permitted that this is kind of what you do, we're never putting that genie back in the bottle. How did Trump finesse, like, oh my gosh, this is Joe Biden's America. If Joe Biden wins, this is what's going to happen. I'm like, well, I don't want him to win, but dude, this is happening, and you're president.
1: Yeah. Uh, that I Well as far as I'm concerned, it's not really, he never did it. Whenever I hear, you know, Joe Biden's America, my response is kind of to roll my eyes because you're right. Um, And I think it it is what (laughs) kind of ruins that line, at least for people that are kind of in the know, is an awareness of the fact that Trump wanted to take action. He wanted to quash the riots, but he was advised against it and listened to that advice. So when people say, you know, Joe's America, it's like, no, actually Trump, Trump himself disagrees with you. Trump wanted to act because this is his America, but he was talked out of it by his advisors. And so to your point about what next, that, I mean, that's why I've also been really critical because if we, again, I I actually think he's going to win. It's hard, it's hard for me to imagine Uh, more people voting for Biden over Trump just because of one Biden Two, the DNC convention was terrible. And three, the the left and the Democrats have painted themselves into a position where they cannot even denounce the worst kinds of violence. And I I think that's just there. I don't think Trump wins because he's the best president. I think it's just, he's better than Biden and what the Democrats have to offer. And that's probably true. But like you said, what next, um, this is probably going to continue. And do some people suspect that Trump is going to, you know, turn on the, the power switch and, and he'll be a new man in 2020 and, and go hard against unrest if it continues? I'm not sure that that's true, because you had I think yesterday you had Jared Kushner reaching out to LeBron James uh, during the whole NBA uh, boycott thing. And he wanted to talk to LeBron James about the Jacob Blake killing, you know, to to kind of pour the oil of concession and racial healing over troubled waters. And it's like, if, if general MacArthur is like, instead of, you know, going to war is extending the olive branch, that's not a good sign. So I, that's, this is what I've been doing is saying that we need to demand a tougher and better administration. And we need to be aware of the fact that there are people in the administration who, when we say things like law and order scoff at us, these people like Brooke Rollins and Smith and Kushner, they don't just think that we're dumb. They dislike us. They deeply dislike us and our ideas. And, and, and unless we start to push back against them, and there's probably a, a, there's probably is some finesse in this, you know, maybe not attacking Trump directly, but attacking his advisors. And there are good people in the administration. I talk to them almost every day, yes. but those people have, those people have to, this is, this is what's crazy. The good people in the administration have to keep their heads down to avoid being fired. Because they're being basically hunted.
0: <laughs> this is what bothers me. I, I, I pull my hair out. I mean, and I know you do too. Like, all these people, shut up, Daniel. This is not the time. Trump needs to win. Stop being so negative. And they like... Our point is you're the one being negative. You're the never Trumper. You're the one destroying the mandate because there are people like every day you have these 50-50 battles. Every day you'll have the people more in line with us trying to do this. And Trump inherently would go along with it. But then you have the forces of darkness. If you stand down because, oh, I need to be, quote, pro-Trump then you're harming your own people. They need air cover. They need us because they cannot speak out. Um, And and frankly, I can't blame them. If if we don't speak out, you know, Rollins and these guys point to the president and say, look, you know, this is what people want. No one cares. You're not going to get any blowback for it anyway. And the media is going to love you and you'll get, you know, they'll convince him you'll get more other voters or whatever. And that's what's going to go through. So, I mean I, th- I think that's a reoccurring theme we've seen for four years where everyone like so badly wants to support the President that ironically they're not supporting him,
1: yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that I think that might actually be one of the better ways to frame this is like, look you you think you're helping the President, but you're actually helping his advisors who who hold him in about as much contempt as they hold you, uh, and that's true. People like Brooke Rollins and Smith um they can i'm told that they can barely basically hide their contempt for the president in his presence and that so they don't really like his base obviously so this whole like you know i'm standing, you know i'm i'm standing with trump well you're actually standing with his advisors who hate him as much as they hate you and and by not actually standing with trump against his advisors which means having to be critical of the administration you're not just hurting the president you're actually kind of hurting the country um because for I, I this is a question i was going to ask but why why does trump listen to his advisors i have no idea uh it could be just that he's is kind of in siege mentality he has no allies yeah. to the people immediately around him and so he listens to them I'm, i don't know i think that's, that's question it, I also, the question it's also
0: there's a lack of a movement inside and and i'm not i'm not excusing it i think you and i are realists we're just trying to say look I don't know why he does it, but we're four years into this, and clearly he does. So clearly you can't assume he just wins re-election and suddenly it changes. We saw this with the lockdown mentality. He, had, We have so much data and so much good stuff for the Sweden model versus, by the way, today there's news out, Peru, which had the number one lockdown, has the number one deaths per million people. And it's like he knows this, it comes out, but he just doesn't have all of it at the tip of his his fingers. So, you know, we got in Scott Atlas. So things are turning around a little bit, but it's tough. I mean, Kushner, by the way, is very involved with that, with his McKenzie fake data people um, that he brought in. So he's uh, behind the whole lockdown crap, too. You know, that was another schizophrenic moment. If you notice, like, oh, you know, Biden wants to lock us down forever and destroy the economy. But I did the greatest lockdown ever and saved millions of lives. Well, well, which
1: one is it? I mean, dude. Yeah, like, I, think I missed that.
0: You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but, but that's the problem. I mean, you know, they like they 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 make it that this is the thing. So then the media's narrative is all around that. So Trump always wants to be the best. So if the narrative is around jailbreak, well, I'm gonna do the best jailbreak. If it's lockdown, I'm gonna do the best lockdown. If it's wearing masks, well, I'm gonna wear the mask better than you. You know, I mean, that's his thing. You have to tee up the issue. And then he'll he'll chomp on it. Um, it is what it is. I wish we had someone with some of his talent, but without some of the, you know, drawbacks and he, he, he was able to be self made. But but again, I like, I mean, Pedro, I, I think I do advise people that even if you take someone that intellectually is more grounded with us than Trump is, they're going to need a movement. No matter what, you can't do it alone, and there's no shortcut. And this notion that people think you just, just vote Republican in November every four years and then go to sleep every day between then uh, while the other side is working the issues, that just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You, you need a movement, and it needs to be coherent. And it, But on the other hand, the, another flaw, I think, that going back to the RNC is the big tent mentality. if if you're, if you have a movement and the only real tenant of that movie is a movement is inclusivity, you end up allowing people in who are going to push you out of your own movement. And I think that's what has basically happened in a way with like people like Tim Scott um, and Haley, who are increasingly becoming the face of the America first movement when they're clearly not uh, America first people. And this is, I think this is a whole other issue uh, that is really important. And it's one that I'm working on right now. I actually kind of wrote a, a late night Twitter rant about this, about how we need a coherent movement. And we need to find a way to bring all of these different, um, sections of the, Amer- of, of the real America First movement together, you know, like the traditional Catholics, uh, whatever section you represent, Daniel, whatever section I represent, and, and to, and to, and, you know, kind of lay out, I guess, common goals. And then, and then with that, Because um, if we're not all on the same basic page, then we can't really mount an offensive against the people that are in the White House that are using the existing establishment and, um, and even some grassroots groups. Like I won't, I won't name them, but there are some supposedly MAGA grassroots organizations that work with people like Kushner to kind of gaslight normal people uh, in, into accepting these policies, and and we have no real offensive about that because uh, all these different genuine America First movements are basically just kind of in their own sections and some fighting against each other as much as they are fighting against these people in the administration.
0: So with that, Pedro, I want to co- go to the final frontier, which is immigration. Um, again, I didn't watch it; I was on vacation. But from what I can gather there was a very limited reference to the issue that really brought the president to the ball, brought him to the dance originally four years ago. Um, To the extent that it was mentioned by the president himself, it almost seemed like the issue was over with, right? It's it's solved. Uh, The wall is built, it's down, it's over with. When in fact, under his watch, we had the worst border surge in our history. It was really like, Finally, finally, they got it under control. But after we lost all that ground, brought in God knows how many hundreds of thousands of people that we're not getting rid of. And then it was really just the virus that kind of shut it down. But then since the virus shut it down, the border numbers have more than doubled over the last few months. Um, at this pace, we're gonna be back up to the end of the surge numbers from about a year ago, uh, last September um, if if it if nothing changes. Again, the courts are just out of control and they listen to every court decision. Don't push back. And then I wanted to get your explanation on this because, frankly, I actually missed it while I was out. But what is this Madison Cawthorn business where you have this candidate that you claim um, that Jared Kushner forced him to scrub immigration from his campaign website um, as a condition for him appearing at the convention, could you explain that specific story, and then the just the broader disappearing of immigration from the convention?
1: Well, if you look at the bottom of that tweet, I, I wrote, uh, "I'm kidding, or am I?" And th- what I was joking at there is that uh, he, Madison, was kind of played as this uh, one of these real America first types, and I was always skeptical of him. Uh, he kind of struck me as like a Dan Crenshaw, yeah. And, yeah and And sure enough, that's what he's turning out to be, and so All I made hat, that, no like, cattle, yeah, exactly. so I made that joke of, you know, like, okay, Jared let him come, but he had to he had to scrub the remnants of the of the actual <laughs> America first planks from his platform for him to attend and and so I think that, yeah, this is another problem where you keep having these people that are like Dan Crenshaw uh, put on MAGA hats, and then suddenly everyone loves them, and then only later. Little by little, do you realize? Oh, this person's a total fraud, and and they're actually very like very much uh, on board with the establishment consensus on issues like immigration. And so to that point, uh, again, you had Don Jr. who said, I think on night two uh, that Biden, if, if Democrats really cared about minorities, they would rest- restrict legal immigration. And the next day, the Trump administration appointed a paid lobbyist, Chad Wolf to the head of DHS who was working hard up to, and even during the pandemic during the lockdowns to increase the levels of legal immigration in the United States. So which way are we going? You know, uh, and and maybe you're, you're right uh, that immigration did not get much play at the convention. I think talk of TVA, the, the Tennessee Valley authority workers and border patrol got altogether like 30 seconds of talk in four days. So that's not a, that's not a, Good sign, or at least it's a confusing sign for me, because immigration was probably the signature thing that Trump ran on, and it got so little attention. Where were the angel moms? Where were the laid-off tech workers on stage talking about their experience uh, of being outsourced? Because that didn't, that hasn't stopped. That actually got worse in some cases. So that that was really off-putting. I I, I don't have an answer for that, and I hope that it's you might be right that in the administration's mind, we solved this, we're moving on, which is not a good sign because it means that no one's going to be paying attention to what Chad Wolf is doing, and what the Office of American Innovation is doing, which is basically a direct pipeline between Silicon Valley and, and the White House. So this, this is this is stuff that's uh, it has me anxious about what comes next uh, in terms well, of. Well, what about
0: Obama's amnesty? I mean, you know, that was supposed to be terminated and. At this point, my fear is that if Trump wins a second term and talk me out of this, talk me off the cliff, but he wins a second term to me, he, you know, this would be all the great uniter and I'll have this agenda. He'll do a great amnesty and he will get some sort of, you know, phony thing in return. And my fear is I hope he doesn't do that. But if he would embark on that, if he would embark on that we'd be screwed because then all of the guns that we typically have to shoot at it fall silent. You might have Tucker, maybe Laura for a couple of days, but then we'll, you know, there'll be some sort of uh, uh, political uh, heroine that will be uh, delved out in order for people to dull their senses from the pain and we'll move on. I mean, I really feel that he might be able to accomplish what a Jeb Bush couldn't accomplish because Trump, again, he's kind of a double-edged sword. I think there's a lot you could do with him if you are directing the sword, but that sword could be turned on you
1: as well. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I've written about this, that uh, despite what people think, amnesty is on the table. And surprise, it's an amnesty deal proposed by Jared Kushner and Brooke Rollins. And this goes back to the government shutdown where Jared actually proposed amnesty for DACA beneficiaries as a way to end the shutdown. So this is this is something that's not going to go away when Trump is reelected. People have pushed back and said, well, he rescinded it and he's uh, rhetorically against it. Yes, but that doesn't change the fact that there are people in the administration who would probably like like try to arrange some kind of a deal. All right, well, we terminate the program. We say we we officially cancel the program and it's over. But we get to amnesty the beneficiaries and it'll be framed something like, uh, the people that we'll give amnesty for are, you know, the best and brightest and, and all that. So, no, I think that I, I can't talk you down because I'm also, I'm standing next to you on that ledge. (laughs) Uh, and I, like I said, I wrote an article about this, I think for American greatness, a few, maybe a month or two ago. And because I, Again, uh, Trump isn't the only one who thinks of himself as the art of the deal. There are a lot of people in the administration who, who with DACA, they see basically a repeat of the 1986 uh, immigration, uh, uh, the Reagan amnesty, basically, um, which came as, okay, they get amnesty and we get this enforcement package. But everyone knows that that's a lie. The enforcement end of the deal never is held up. How how did the 1986 Reagan amnesty turn out for California? It has made the state basically permanently blue, unless there's some kind of a, a miracle that turns it red. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a blue California again. And that was, I think, in large part due to amnesty and a total failure of enforcement.
0: Well, and and subsequent policies have, have turned many, many other states into that predicament in the Sun Belt. We're seeing that every day, and it's just going to continue and continue. And that's the thing, folks. I mean, this is a very sobering view of what went on. It's not all bad. It's not that there isn't much there. Again, the president, our country is built not by cancel culture, speech codes, soul crush and conformity. We're a nation. We are not a nation of timid spirits. We are a nation of fierce, proud and independent American patriots. We need to stand up and be that independent group of independent minded thinkers to press on and push the president in the direction where his heart seems to be. But that will impel us to do battle with these forces within the administration that are still a problem, and we cannot cheerlead them when we see that they are promoted rather than placed in on the back burner at the convention. They're promoted front and center. That should give us pause. Good Look, go out, vote early, vote often. But voting is just a very small portion to what we need to do. Pedro, thank you so much for your analysis. You could find his work at American Greatness. You could follow him on Twitter as well. Um, Make sure to see his column at Newsweek. Uh, We will talk to you soon and keep us updated, all right?
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. And that pretty much does it for us today. Again, I think he's a very brave young voice. He's younger than me and really had a promising career. Like a lot of these 20 somethings that came along could have ridden the MAGO wave um, just in terms of a cult of personality. Instead, he's been willing to burn relationships to speak the truth. And and sometimes it's a little bit harsh and people don't want to hear it, but we are going to be consistent about that. Uh, I think they had a pretty decent convention from a theatric standpoint. Um, I don't know if it's going to translate into the data on the polling moving in their direction. I don't know what's going to happen with this election. Horse race analysis, as you well know, is not really my thing. Um, My thing is America analysis. Where are we coming from? Where are we headed? And that does not necessarily change with elections. So we're here for the long haul. Good to be back, as always. Email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. I'm sorry I missed a lot of your emails. I just wanted to unplug once and for all. Good to be back. We're back in the fight, back in the thick of it. Next week, we'll be our same time, same place, full force. Have a great weekend. See you here Monday.